This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. It's working so hard to make this possible. We really appreciate you guys. I want to take a moment to pray together. Uh, I have on my heart this morning for us to pray. Uh, we, we, we often pray for campus, which is great. Um, and we should pray off more often. Uh, but another th- thing that's on my heart this morning is um, that our families and our children are every day entering a very unique mission field where the, the light of the gospel shines in, in great darkness. Schools um, and spaces where moms and dads move and amongst other families, but especially where there's on the, on the school grounds and around what happens in schools, there's such a great field of mission there and a great place with great darkness where this gospel can shine really brightly. Uh, so I want us to take a moment to, let's do this practically, let's, all the, <laughs> all the parents and the, can you maybe just raise your hands, the people around you are just going to just pray with you, all the, the parents and then we, the parents that are, are um, just representing all the families, a lot of them are obviously out there doing their thing with children. But if, the, if, if you're a parent, why don't you just raise your hand and then people around you can just come and stand around and we're going to lay hands on you just in a moment. Okay, it's going to be a bit disruptive, but we can do it. Go for it. So uh, we're going to lay hands on the families and pray for the, for the, to, s- to commission them as they go out into a very unique mission field. And uh, let's pray specifically for the children and the and the, and also the teachers, okay, also teachers. So if you're a teacher, also raise your hand. <laughs> and then are you gonna pray for me? Okay, great. Um, so let's do that just for two minutes or so. Thanks so much. Hallelujah, Father. We as we lay hands on families and parents and children, Lord, and as they represent the children specifically. We pray, Lord, for each parent and each child, Lord, and every teacher that's going out into our schools every day, Lord. We pray for your light to shine, Lord. We pray for the power of the gospel to be at work in and through their lives, Lord. We thank you, Lord, for that we can ask that you would raise us up more and more as laborers in this great harvest fields that are our schools, Lord, and our, the communities around our schools, Lord. In Jesus' name, we pray that your light will shine so brightly in the darkness, Lord, that many will be drawn to Christ through every family, through ev- the life of every child, God, in Jesus' name. We trust for boldness as we go. We trust for boldness to share what you are doing in our lives, Lord. We tr- thank you for boldness for children to testify, for teachers and parents, Lord, to, to, to recognize opportunities to, to, to be redemptive agents, Lord, and the gifts that you have put us there for, Lord, in Jesus' name. That your name will be glorified in and through us, Lord, in this city, Lord. Let your name be glorified, in Jesus' name. 
Father, and we just thank you for this time in your word. We thank you for your presence this week. Our desire is to be transformed into your image, Lord. Let your name be glorified amongst us, Lord, in Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Amen. Thanks so much. Thanks, everybody. Such a blessing. got a new new ter- new quarter new term starting this this week and uh, so please keep praying for the children and let's trust for great harvest to come from uh, in that field of mission as well it's a blessing to be here this morning to share the word we had uh, such a great time uh, last week uh, we had a some time away with all the staff of the Shofar churches in the northern part of South Africa and here around and up from Bloom upward, basically. And uh, yoch, it's amazing how that group is growing. It's amazing to see, and it's, it's always so encouraging for me to, for us to hear what God is doing in different parts of the country and uh, how, how we're carrying the same mandate and the same gospel with this different communities, different contexts, and also different um, ways guys are going about it, and really inspiring and encouraging to hear what's going on. Um, it's always a great blessing. And um, and yeah, we had a wonderful wedding yesterday. It's always a blessing. The children really enjoyed it. They love weddings. <laughs> Abby is really keen these days to, to, to hear and to see what's going on, but she wants to know exactly, you know, so she... <laughs> It's amazing to see how sensitive she's getting to the stuff of, of God, the things of the Lord. Um, often when we pray, you know, the, the children, I have to kind of prompt them a little bit. And David says, I don't know what to pray about. You know, then I just encourage them, you know, what are you thankful for? Or is there a friend in your class that you want to pray for? You know, so it takes a bit of prompting. Um, and Abigail seems just, she's really got some stuff on her heart that she wants to pray about. It really encourages me. She's she always wants to pray for her little cousin who's uh, in her aunt's womb still. <laughs> so uh, there was, they had a shame they had a um, miscarriage a, a while ago. And, and since then, we've been praying hard, even harder for the, for the new little one. And um, things are going amazing. So that's a blessing. She always prays for her little cousin. And she always seems to have, uh, or very often seems to have on her heart, um, praying for the children in our street that don't know Christ, stuff like that. So it's amazing how those things are really starting to take root in our heart. And so challenging for me as well as encouraging. But uh, yeah, what a blessing um, to be a parent. Uh, Okay, so just um, a week or two ago, I I started to share around this concept of the gospel um, and how it's portrayed, or how we see this image of it being foolishness to those who are perishing, but the power of God to those who are being saved, the, the manifestation of the power of God to us who are being saved. So I wanted to look at a few different aspects around that this morning. Um, but just to recap very briefly, we asked that question, what is the gospel in your life? What is the gospel in my life? Is it foolishness <laughs> like it is to the world, or is it the power of God? 
is the gospel at a, a place, has it got a place in my life where I can, I'm living a life filled with the power of God? Or have I, have I started with the power of God unto salvation? Have I come to salvation with the power of God? And have I then kind of drifted off towards walking in the wisdom of man again? You know, Paul writes, uh, let's re- recap that one scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And he says, I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be, some translations should not be based on the wisdom of men, but the power of God. That our faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Uh, so we have looked at a few things around that and asked that question. Are we, are we drifting to that place of where the, the, the Scripture warns us against those that, have a, that seem to have a form of godliness, but they deny the power of God? Or are we, are we living lives that are truly filled with the power of God and the power of the gospel? And uh, I mentioned this at the wedding yesterday, but this is something that really challenges me, that if we look at Romans 12, 1 and 2, it says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because because of all that He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind you will find acceptable. This This is truly the way to worship Him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Uh, and to what challenges me with this is that the default for us is to copy the behavior and customs of this world. The, you know, New King James says, do not be conformed to this world. And unfortunately for us, the, the default setting is to conform. The default setting is to copy and to go with the flow. So I'm just throwing it out there this morning. Unless you and I are very deliberately and very intentionally not choosing not to conform, we are conforming. Unless we are, and, and this is, I think you can, you can literally apply this to any area of your life. If you are not deliberately choosing not to conform in the way you manage your finances, you are conforming. If I'm not deliberately choosing to say, Lord, please transform my mind, transform me by the renewing of my mind, help me to think about finances in a way that is godly and it brings glory to your name. Unless I'm deliberately doing that, guess what? I'm going to be conforming. In the same way, in the way I approach parenting or the way I approach my job or just apply that across the board, unless you and I are being very deliberate and intentional, we'd probably be conforming. We're probably copying the behavior and customs of this world. Amen? So we, we looked at that. We looked at uh, how are we living in the, with that power of the gospel in our, in our lives. And the, so this morning I want us to look at, at a few different aspects more in terms of how are we living this gospel message. Are we living it, uh, this power on, of God unto salvation? Are we living it in a way um, that brings glory to God. 
um, Romans 1, we see Paul write about this, verse 16 and 17. He says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. This good news tells us how God makes us right in His sight. This is accomplished from start to finish by faith. This is the New Living Translation. We are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Is this the case? Are we living in this way? Um, it's interesting, too, if we look even as long ago as the late 1980s, where a bunch of you guys weren't even born yet, um, <laughs> a few very clever guys started to recognize that the Western society, most of the of Western society at that point, specifically Europe, had already gone to a place where they said you, the Western society is starting to be a mission field again. From a place where Western society was for a long time a place where the gospel, from there the gospel went out to unreached parts of the world. They were recognizing that Western society is coming to a place of being a mission field again. And what they also saw is that many of the tried and tested methods or ways of doing evangelism over many years were bearing less and less fruit in these contexts. And they saw that part of the reason for this was that this was the first time that there was a mission field that had previously been Christian. A society that had been a Christian society for the most part and is now postmodern, even post-Christian society. Can you see that? How that can be that make a massive difference in how you present the gospel. And he says that uh, specifically some of those clever guys mentioned that it seemed like a, to a large part the Western society has been inoculated against the gospel. You know, the whole idea of an inoculation is that you, you um, introduce a small, uh, small quantity of a virus into the body and then the, the body builds up antibodies against it and it becomes resistant against it. And, uh, and they reckon this has happened to the gospel in the last part of Western society because they have, there are remains of some gospel experience or some uh, elements of you know, exposure to the, the gospel, but to such an extent that it, they've actually are resistant against it in terms of, you can just think of a bunch of things that have done in the name, they've been done in the past in the name of, of religion and in the name of, of God even, that have made massive atrocities that have been committed over the years with people that have professed to be believers. So that's one of those things that, that kind of inoculate people against the gospel. But, but can you see that this, this has massive implications in how we live the gospel today? Because we are living in a society that is becoming more and more post-Christian. It's, it's no, you can no longer assume, when you speak to somebody on campus, somebody at your work, you cannot assume that they have a basic understanding of Christianity. In fact, in this country, I have experienced 
not in India or many places like that, but the first time I experienced this was in this country when I met with somebody and I said to them, I want to share about Jesus with you. And they said, they've, they've heard the name only. They don't know anything else. They have not heard anything about Jesus Christ. I was like, really? <laughs> not, not far off, not in the Middle East, not in India. It was right here in Joburg. And I realized, okay, this is a sign of the times. In any case, so, uh, and I could start at the beginning. It was amazing. It's in Genesis, you know, right there in the beginning. But uh, so I'm just going to, I want us to look at a couple of things around this. And I, first, I want to read this quote by Tim Keller. It really challenged and encouraged me. He says, the gospel says you are more sinful and flawed than you ever dared believe. But also that it says you are but more accepted and loved than you ever dared hope. That's not part of the sermon, but I just, uh, that just encouraged me so much. And then I want to say this, the other bit that he mentioned here. That he says the gospel of salvation doesn't really relate to theology like the first steps relate to the rest of the stairway, but more like the hub relates through the spokes to the rest of the wheels. The, the gospel of a glorious, other-oriented triune God giving himself in love to his people in creation and redemption and recreation is the core of every doctrine of the Bible, of God, of humanity, of salvation, of ecclesiology, of eschatology. So he's saying, and I think Phil, Philip was kind of alluding to this as well a few weeks ago. He says sometimes we treat the gospel as of so unto salvation as the first step, but then we mature and we move beyond that, and we get into all kinds of deep other important things that other doctrines, and we take us up the stairs, kind of up the different steps to maturity. But what he's saying here is that the gospel of Jesus Christ is not the first step; it's the it's the, the hub of the wheel. It is absolutely central to Christian life. And it's not like we, we graduate from the, the gospel and then move on to deeper things and more important things. And we move on to stuff, you know, deeper revelations. And guys, I, I've met Christians that operate like this, and it's scary. <laughs> I don't want to distract myself. But a, a friend, I, don't, I haven't seen him in a long time, um, actually distant family member, but, you know, passionate believer, often when I meet with him, he's telling me about the weirdest doctrines you've heard of. It's not, an, obviously not in the Bible. People being, going up into heaven, into a heavenly library, and then being exposed and, and blessed with all kinds of revelation and knowledge and new, new stuff. It's amazing. You know, and then coming back and then I'm like, yeah, and I, but my, all, when you're sharing all these amazing stuff with me, and you know, I only, only want to ask, how many people are getting saved through these new revelations? How many souls are coming to salvation? Uh, it seems like we, we, there is a tendency to feel like we have to graduate to deep and very profound things, but it's not like that. The gospel unto salvation is at the at very core. Are you with me? It's, it, it is from there, from the cross, from the, the, the finished work of the cross. It's from there that everything is based on. Everything flows from that. It's the hub. Okay. So I just want to look at a, a few things around this in terms of just practically um, 
how do, how do we live this gospel on a daily basis? Firstly, uh, I want us to think of the story, not the account of Jonah. Okay, I'm not going to read it, so I'm going to, I'm going to, that's terrible. I've just said we shouldn't assume this, and now I'm assuming. Okay, so I'm just going to, I'm not going <laughs> to, so Jonah was a prophet um, that God called to go and take the, the word to, of his salvation to a large city, which was really basically like the pit of hell, like, like everything bad was happening there, and a massive city of hundreds of thousands of people, and he basically said to Jonah, unless you go and take the word there, within a, within a short time, I'm going to judge this place, and I'm just going to wipe it off the face of the earth. And, and Jonah decides not to go there. He decides to run in the opposite direction. He decides he, this is not for him. Gets on a ship. He starts, starts in the other direction. And short story is that there's a massive storm um, on the sea. He's asleep. The sailors get all panicky. They wake him up. They say, pray to this God of yours. Make a plan. We're going to die right now. And then he basically says, listen, it's probably my fault. You need to sacrifice me. You need to throw me in. They throw him in the ocean, and they they are saved. And he gets swallowed by this massive fish. And he spends three three days in the the belly of the fish. And and obviously, that is a sobering effect on anybody. And he he repents. God, this is the short version, okay? The fish spits him out. I trust it was closer to Nineveh we had to be. And he actually goes and he actually takes the word of God to the city. But I'm going to refer back to this story a couple of times uh, because I actually feel we have a lot more in common with Jonah than we would like to believe. Okay, I'm just throwing that out there. I'm, I'm including myself in this analogy. Okay, firstly, uh, we see something interesting here in his response, okay? God says to Jonah, can you go to the next slide, and we can just look at a few of those points. He says to Jonah, Jonah, I need to go for you to go to this city. And to be honest, I had this response. I thought, why, why doesn't he want to do this? Isn't this a, a great call? Isn't this like a... You know, you, get, you are called by God to take the gospel to save all these hundreds of thousands of people. Actually plays, play a role in their being saved, their lives being saved. And he's, he says, no, he's not keen. Um, and that did confuse me, especially as a younger believer. I was like, why, why wouldn't you be keen on that? But I have more understanding now for, for where Jonah is coming from. Firstly, he didn't like the people. We'll get back to that later. But secondly... He, he wasn't concerned. He was concerned with his own comfort. He was basically very selfish. And, and, he, and, and the question that we can ask here, did, if he really had this conviction of, he, of himself, him being saved by grace from the pit of hell, then his response would have been different. If, he, if that was at the forefront of his mind, he would be said, wow, Lord, your grace is so amazing in my life. What a blessing that I can have a role to play in your grace being amazing in their lives as well. And I feel many of us, if as we are kind of maybe migrating towards living 
no longer in the power of the gospel, but in the wisdom of the world, we migrate to this place. And we see in the life of Jonah, it, it takes for him to have this near-death experience for him to be thrown into the ocean and be swallowed by a massive fish and spend some days in there. It takes that for him to get back to that foundation of, well, I'm a fragile human being. I was destined for the pit of hell and... And by the grace of God, I, I, I've, I've, you know, I've experienced the grace of God in my life. I've experienced a relationship with God in my life. And it takes that massive moment, that crisis, for him to get back to that moment, to, the, to those foundations. Can you see that? And I feel often it's for us it's the same. It takes a crisis for us to, to get back to the place where we recognize the grace of God in our life. Which is not, I don't think, the ideal, <laughs> but it often happens like that. And I'll, I'll get back to that. But so to, to really, and, um, and if, you know, if you recognize this, if you recognize, well, I'm not in touch with that, you know, joy of salvation anymore. And I want to challenge us. Pray about that. Say, Lord, why don't you restore unto me joy of salvation? The joy of, Lord, what I couldn't boast in anything but the cross. And I don't want to rejoice in anything but that my name is written in the book of life. Because that changes the way we approach life. It changes the way I speak to my neighbor. It changes the way I approach my work. Because I'm so grateful that I've been saved. So grateful that I am so thankful that I'm, I've been saved from darkness into His glorious light. So we start from that place of, of really living with that conviction. I want to say to you, if that's you, don't go into the deep and, and heavy and uh, profound things. Go back to the basics of the gospel and trust God for a greater revelation, a shaking, that those truths of the gospel would take a root in our hearts again. That, again, that will be the hub, that will be the center point, that will be the foundation, that will be the cornerstone as the walls of the cross and the salvation we have through Christ. Secondly, obedience out of grateful joy. There's a, um, you know, the religion says, I obey, therefore I am accepted, right? That's what religion says, and most religions across the world, most faiths work like that. I obey, therefore I come to some sort of acceptance. But the gospel is the other way around. The gospel says, I am accepted through the costly grace of God, through the blood of His Son, and therefore I obey. Can you see that that's completely the up, upside down? And, and we see this in the life of Jonah, um, where he reconnects with, with his, the grace of God, and God saving him out of the belly of the fish, and, and he's once again inspired, and he's able to minister out of that place of, of thankfulness. Um, and he's able to actually take the word of God to the city. <clears throat> so I want to I just throw that in there, that as we live out of that gratefulness, as we live out of a place of thankfulness, as we live out of a place of joy of our salvation, uh, we approach life completely differently. And thirdly, power through being humbled. Now, um, this is interesting. I, I read a bit about a, a story of some um, great men of God, some 
evangelists, etc., that were having a conversation. They were talking about a younger man of the faith who showed incredible potential. Uh, he was he had incredibly incredible gifts in terms of preaching and teaching and you know, expounding the gospel. And they had really had high hopes and they had great expectations for this young man. And then one of the older guys in the group said, but there's just one, one problem. He's not been humbled yet. And everybody in the group was kind of just like grave and, and really and agreed that that was going to be a massive challenge. And, that's, it's, and out of the story, it was clear that the that they had recognized the power of experiencing humbling experiences in your life to bring you to a place of, of, of humility and a place of really walking in the reality of the grace of God on a daily basis. Uh, and uh, also this testimony of a guy, and I can, I can actually testify of the same. He was sharing the gospel with his neighbors, you know, actively, intentionally, proactively doing, you know, sharing with his neighbors, but no fruit. You know, he was doing this often and regularly, and it was doing his best, and he didn't see any fruit. But until a point came where he experienced really uh, intense personal crisis on a bunch of levels, but literally like, not like life-altering stuff, and and he started to share with his neighbors how God was sustaining him and empowering him and, and carrying him through these really hectic times. And he says that the shift was immediate. And they, they wanted to hear, they were impacted, they, they were open to what he had to say. And uh, I, I remember years ago experiencing this for the first time in Res, uh, in Stellenbosch, really testifying a lot, trying my best to preach and making all the mistakes you can think of, but really being, you know, as intentional as I could be in, in sharing the gospel with my mates in the, in the residence and my friends from the Air Force that were studying with me, uh, but not seeing a lot of fruit, to be honest. But I remember towards the end of that specific year, I, I went through some very hectic stuff that in, in, in hindsight maybe weren't that hectic, but for me at that point was quite serious. And, uh, and they, could, they, they were observing this process, and, and they could relate to it in some, because it had to do with my being employed with the Air Force and all that stuff, and I had to go before, a, uh, what did they call it, some kind of a tribunal and stuff like that, and uh, anyway, hectic stuff and lots of changes happening that led to me not being able to continue studying and I had to resign and all that stuff. And through that time, people start to ask me, how, how are you managing to work through all of this with such joy? And so it was in those very rough times that, that my testimony actually became really powerful. It was through those very hectic moments where, where people were very open to hear and actually coming up to me and asking me and actually saying that this doesn't make sense. Can you, can you explain this to me? And it's, it's so powerful that um, and this is what the scripture is all about. Yeah, let's go to the next one uh, in Second in in Corinthians 12. It says, but my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now... 
and this is Paul writing, so now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I'm weak, then I am strong. We've heard this a million times, maybe not a million, but we've heard this many times. But when we read it like this, that our lives is a testimony to those around us, that I want to submit to you that in our weakness, we are the best evangelists. If we are willing to share that. If we're willing to, from a place of weakness, from a place of vulnerability, if we're willing to share our lives with those around us. Unfortunately, the default for us is to hide and to isolate. Amen? Don't we do that? But I want to challenge us that to, to a place where you and I are willing, firstly, to trust God. Obviously, that's going to be, it's going to be awkward if you're sharing your life, but, but you're not you're humbling yourself before God. So in humility, as God is, as God is sustaining us and He's maybe not delivering us yet, but He's bringing us through the fire, if we're able to actually share that with those around us, that is where the power of Christ will be made perfect in us. Can you see that? And that is why a big reason why I believe Paul is saying, I take pleasure in this because I know that when I'm weak, I'm strong and, and His power is made manifested in my weakness. It's made perfect in my weakness. My grace, God says, my grace is sufficient. We see this in the life of Jonah. Um, he's, um, <coughs> he's going through this crisis. He, he goes through this near-death experience. And out of that place of weakness, out of this place of I almost died right now, he's able to actually... The, 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 the grace of God and the power of God just rests upon us. And I, I just want to throw this in there. If you're, showing, if you're finding yourself maybe in a crisis, you may be finding yourself in a place um, which is not comfortable, which is maybe pushing you from all, on all sides. I want to say to you, maybe this is your moment. For the power of Christ to be made perfect in you. Maybe this is one of those moments, not the moment, there will be many, okay? So just hang in there. But uh, maybe this is one of those moments where as you and I humble ourselves before Him, His power will be made perfect in this very place of weakness. So maybe that's just the opportunity that you and I need to again experience the power of God unselfishly in my everyday life. Not as a theoretical first step, but every day. Lord, today I need your power unselfishly. Today I rely on your power being made perfect in my weakness. I remember when we were doing that cycling trip around the country, praying for the country, we did an average of about 140 kilometers a day for six weeks. Some days were longer. You know, I think the longest one was just under 200 kilometers or something like that, which was also very hot days. I don't know what it was supposed to be, but I did it. 
But I, I literally came to the place. I got into this routine. You know, you get up at, I think it was four, and then you get ready, and you have breakfast at half past, and you start about five. But I remember, you know, part of my routine in the morning was just a, a few minutes with God. And, I, and my prayer was just basic. I said, Lord, today, <laughs> I cannot do this unless you give me strength. And it was not a theoretical prayer. Let me just... Let me just confess this to you. It was a very practical one. Lord, today I cannot survive unless you give me strength. I cannot make it through this day. I, I struggle with some injuries and all kinds of things. But beyond that, even in, just in basic ability, I said, Lord, unless you are with me, I, I need your grace today. And I believe if you and I find ourselves in those places, that is the place where the, there's an opportunity for the grace of God to flood in as we humble ourselves, and the opportunity for the power of Christ to be made perfect, and for that testimony to shape and, and impact many lives around us, amen? And I, I believe in a more effect, efficient way, an effective way than may, much of our preaching can be, okay? Amen, are you with me this morning? Place of, from a place of being humbled, okay, can we go to the next one then? So lastly, then loving the world in a way that they actually notice, um, and we see this, see this in the life of Jonah. You know, he even when he okay, this guy, I, I, I must say, I, I can't say, I can't judge this guy because like I've seen some of this stuff in my own life. But he goes into the belly of the fish. He spends a couple of days there. He spit, you know, he spits him out, and he goes and preach. He goes actually very seems less reluctantly. He, he, shares the, he shares the gospel, he shares the word of God with cities. Um, and then when God says, um, I'm, gonna not, I'm not going to wipe them anymore, he gets all upset. He's like, he was sitting, he was getting himself a nice spot on the hill to ready to see the Lord wipe this all, you know, hundreds of thousands of people. Interesting guy. Any guys, and then, and then, he gets upset because God, of God's grace. And we recognize that there's still a part of him that doesn't like the people. He actually is disgusted by their condition. And we laugh, but I have a suspicion that in my own life, and maybe some lives here, there's a place where we do not like the pagans out there. We are, to some extent, disgusted by the condition of the world. And there's some part of us that are like Jonah that we, we want to not be there. We don't want to be amongst that. And instead of being the salt and light, and instead of being hands and feet of God, instead of being all things to all men, we try, we often, not probably not consciously, but we end up isolating ourselves to a place where we say, this is comfortable, these guys are all similar to me, we believe the same thing, this is much more palatable for me and my children, you know? don't want to expose the kids to all of that stuff, <laughs> that's a good excuse, isn't it? Anyways, and we end up being in an, on an island or somewhere, and we end up being like Jonah, just checking, maybe the Lord's going to wipe them because of this abortion thing, let's just... just get back a bit because if the if the Lord's going to start wiping people I don't want to be too close so 
weeks. He, but I believe God is calling us to a place where we love the lost, again, out of a place of freely have I received the grace and forgiveness of God. Freely, freely, I want to give it as well. That God was calling us to a place of loving people around us, loving the community that we're in, the city that we're in, the nation that we're in, to a point where they are going to recognize, wow, these guys, we don't maybe, we don't, I don't necessarily agree with my neighbor about all his points of view, but wow, I'm sure going to miss him <laughs> if he had to move because of A, B, C, D, because of the way X, Y, Z. We often, we, I think we should just ask this question often. If we were to be removed out of this community as a church, would anybody notice? If you and your family were to move away out of the community that we're in now, I'm like getting quiet in here. If you were to be removed or move away, who would notice? Are we in a place as a body of Christ where if God had to take all of us as a church now and plant us somewhere else, would the people say, well, I, I didn't agree with all that the, they, those shofar guys, their doctrine or whatever, but they, they're leaving such a massive void in the community. The way they've been giving, the way they, they've been serving, the way that they've been investing in our community has, has just transformed this place. So I'm, I'm, we're gonna, it's going to be so tough without them around. I, I want us to be a church like that where people... Say, so, well, that, well, that family, I want us to be a family where if we had to move schools or communities, that people would say, well, we, we miss those princes because they, were, they had extreme views about this God stuff, but they were such a blessing. Are you with me this morning? Are you loving the world in a way that they notice? Or are we in judgment and are we putting ourselves to one side? Let's leave a, a big challenge, not for only for us, but for the church on the whole, is does the world recognize our love for them? And will they notice if we had to move on? In terms of us receiving the, the power, the courage to, the power to live like that, it's only by His grace. It, it's by living the power of the gospel daily. Amen. And uh, it's, we, we see interesting the, the similarities between, you know, we, we see the, the life of Jonah. He, he basically gets sacrificed, right? He's asleep in the boat. He's asleep in the ship. There's a massive storm. They have to wake him up. They say, can't you do something? Can't you pray to this God of yours? And then he ends up being sacrificed and for their lives to be saved. Years, centuries later, we see another person sleeping in the boat, right? We see Jesus asleep in the boat. Massive storm. Disciples are all panicking. They're waking up. Why can't you, can't you help us? And then he just reverses the storm and everybody is saved. The difference there is obviously that Jesus is not thrown into the sea. He's not sacrificed. But then, in fact, we see a bit of time later, Jesus is indeed thrown into the ultimate storm, is sacrificed on the cross, cast into the worst storm ever imaginable, and he faces sin and death, and he 
because of his sacrifice, he wins the victory for us for Satan. So there is a massive, powerful parallel there. And that is where we, why we can have the grace to love the world in this way. That's where we receive our power unto salvation. That's why we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit. But how we have been empowered is by the power of the Holy Spirit to live this gospel in a, in a really practical way. It's um, something uh, Pastor Eni said this week. It really encouraged me when he, he said that uh, if we're talking about these crisis moments and being like Jonah and having, having really hectic stuff in our lives happen, he says that the suffering of Jesus has not exempted us of suffering. Unfortunately, the doctrine of suffering is not a popular one. You don't hear it a lot in all these nice sermons that we get on the internet these days. There's not a lot of sermons going about the reality of the suffering that we've been called to. But the suffering of Christ has not exempted us from suffering, but it has made it, has made it possible for our suffering not to be completely without, in, in vain but for our suffering to actually transform us into the image of Christ. So Christ's suffering has made it possible to this, for the suffering that we endure to transform us into his image, to have a purpose, to be for his glory. Does that make sense? Let's stand this morning. Can we pray? Hallelujah. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your great grace. Lord, and this morning we, Lord, we acknowledge, Lord, that often, yes, we, we are not in touch, Lord, with our, with our salvation on a daily basis. Lord, we're not, we, it's as if we, we go way beyond that. And we even, some of us struggle to remember, struggle to share our salvation testimony. Because it's happened long ago, or we're not in touch with it anymore. And Father, this morning we repent of that, God, in Jesus' name. And in the name of Jesus, we ask, Lord, that you would you do a miracle in our heart again this morning. That, Lord, that every crisis or every challenge we go through would actually draw us closer to you again. Will draw us into a greater revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is still your power unto salvation, your power to save, but not only to save from sin, Lord, to save from every imaginable thing, Lord, your power to salvation, Lord, your power to heal, your power to redeem and renew, your power to recreate, your power that makes everything new, your power unto eternal life. Lord, that we would Daily connect, daily live, Lord, from this place of, of this conviction that, yes, Lord, because of the, the same Spirit of Christ, the same Spirit that's in me, the same power that rose Christ from the dead, I can live in this same power. I can live 
in this resurrection power place. Lord, we, we humble our hearts this morning. Yes, we acknowledge this in some ways that we have been walking in the wisdom of the world. We've been walking in the form of godliness. Lord, we've, we don't care about the lost often. We don't care about the pagans out there. We actually a little bit disgusted. And we humbly come, Lord, and we ask that you would break our hearts again for what breaks your heart, Lord, for the people that are on your heart. Lord, that we, when we look upon the multitudes like Jesus did, that we would be moved with compassion. That there would be something that would stir on the inside, Lord, to know that this is why I was created, for the power of the gospel to be made manifested in and through my life for the for the those that are lost around me to to experience the grace of God even as I go through my suffering they would recognize the power of Christ be made manifest in them God I pray for each one that is finding themselves in a situation like that maybe maybe it's a long term crisis or an, an affliction doesn't want to go away. It's still there. And I feel some here, their faith has taken a knock because of the afflictions that have, that have, and you're just not experiencing breakthrough. This Lord, this morning, Lord, we bring those before you in the name of Jesus. We ask, Lord, let your name be glorified. We ask that the testimony of Christ will be made manifested in that crisis. We ask, Lord, that every small suffering and every massive crisis, Lord, will, will sh serve its purpose to form Christ in us, Lord, and to glorify your name, Lord, to draw people closer to you. Lord, we ask for a boldness this morning, that we will not hide away when we're wrestling through storms, but Lord, that we would humbly share with those around us your grace that is sufficient for us. In Jesus' name, we, I come against every fear of man. In the name of Jesus, every fear, every lie that would have us hide, that would have us isolate ourselves, every offense or whatever else is keeping us to one side. Lord, we come in the name of Jesus. We break the power of those things. Right now, I break the power of those things in our lives in the name of Jesus Christ. I thank you that you deliver us from everything that keeps us hidden. And I thank you for a boldness and a fearlessness to share in a, from a place of vulnerability and humility to share what's happening in our lives. And Lord, we ask for your grace upon us as individuals, but us as a community we would love the world in a way that they would recognize your love, they would recognize your grace, that they would notice this is different. There's something else here. And that they would be drawn to you, Lord. Have mercy on us. Be nice. We would not just play church and do nice programs and have no impact. Lord, that you would Bring us to a place of representing Christ in our community in a way that brings glory to your name. 
Father, we pray, Lord, that as we go from this place, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us afresh now in Jesus' name. You would fill us to overflowing. Lord, that as we go and we are are your hands and feet and we are your light and your salt, truly, Lord, that you would be so deliberate about it and so intentional. God, I pray that you restore unto each of us the joy of salvation, the joy of knowing you. And Lord, that our deliberate transformation and choosing to be transformed would be, would, sh- would, be, would be evidenced and manifested in every area of our lives, Lord. For your glory, in Jesus' name. With every eyes closed, if you're here this morning and, and you have not yet come to that place of experiencing the power of God unto salvation, maybe you've heard a lot about God, maybe you've been around church, but you have not yet come to a place where you have a real living relationship with with the Father and your Savior, where maybe there's still doubt in your heart whether you do have or not, whether you have eternal life or not, or maybe this morning you, you have been at that place, but you know right now you are far from Him, and you have a conviction in your heart that you want to draw near to God again, with every eyes closed. If that's you this morning, why don't you raise your hand for a moment. I'd love to just take a moment to pray with you. If you know you need to make right with Him this morning, if you know you want to draw near, why don't you raise your hand for a moment. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for every life in this place. We thank You for Your Word. We ask, Lord, that as we go from this place, that Your Word will take, will bear good fruit, Lord. Lord, it will not go in the ear one ear and out the other, Lord, that we would walk in the power of your spirit, in the power of your gospel. I trust, Lord, even this week, many testimonies, Lord, as we just, in vulnerability, just share our lives, that people will recognize you more and more and more, Lord, in Jesus' name. Let your name be glorified. Bless every family in this place. Bless every person. Thank you that you are sending us as redemptive gifts, as agents of change, as as your sent ones into every place where we go. You send us with a purpose. And I speak your blessing over each one of us as we go in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have a prayer need this morning or specifically if you want to respond to the word and you want to trust God to make a shift, and I, I want to encourage you, let's just do this before we end up in the belly of a fish, okay? Let's humble ourselves to that place before we have to have a near-death experience. And if you want to do that this morning and just bring your heart before God and pray with somebody. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share. Sing.